Hello, Blank Green Canvas listeners. Do you enjoy this podcast? If so, please consider becoming a supporter on Anchor. You can support this podcast with a small monthly donation to help sustain future episodes. Monthly contributions range from $0.99 cents a month to $4.99 a month and $9.99 a month. Visit anchor.fm slash blank dash green dash canvas and click support this podcast to become a monthly contributor. Hello everyone, this is Noah Villaverde, host of the Blank Green Canvas podcast. This week I am joined by my old friend Joshua Garcia. Josh, how are you doing today? Pretty good, it's hot. <laughs> oh yeah, man, Like that's it's really crazy right now. Like, If you don't know, um, me and Josh, we're both from Fresno, California, and right now, uh, if you actually could check your weather app, I don't know if it's in the hundreds today, but this week will be in the hundreds in terms of how high the weather is going to get, and it's pretty crazy. Yesterday, or no, last week it was like, what, 107? Some guys at work, they were like, um, screw this, I'm, I'm calling out. So they, they literally did. <laughs> did they? No, I'm serious. I work at a Starbucks for all you listeners, by the way. It's 96 degrees, but it feels like 107 right now. Yeah, so that's why if you hear a little bit of a fan whirring in the background, we apologize for that. But it was either bet- it was either record this podcast in a nice condition with a little bit of fan in the background, or record it downstairs in the garage where there's no fan. <sighs> yeah, like, that would that would have been. All we bad. don't want to suffer having fun talking about movies, you know. So it's better off to kind of do it in a comfortable environment, even though ironically, I'm actually wearing my uh, jobs uniform, which is all black, which is a black tee. And uh, black pants and black socks and black shoes, which is pretty interesting given that you work in a theater and it's summertime, the busiest time of the year. And anyways, so um, how have you been lately, though, besides the hot weather? Dude, I've been writing, actually. You've been writing? I've been writing, yes. Writing what? Um, honestly, it's, well, I don't want to say stream of consciousness because then it sounds like I'm bad at writing. But uh, I'm literally just sitting down in front of a computer and just, like, just letting it all. I'll just sit down for four hours and just, like, I don't know. Best but, way to describe it is just bleeding at the typewriter. So, like, what type of things are you writing? Stories, uh, music, like, the songs or whatever? Or just anything on your mind? Journal entries? I don't know. Well, I uh, I downloaded Sorkin's Masterclass. Oh, you and, did? Yeah. And so he was, uh, I don't know, he talks a lot about, like, intention and obstacles. So I was just kind of practicing with that. Just kind of... Aaron Sorkin. Aaron yes. Sorkin, yes. One of the greatest screenwriters of all time and perhaps my personal favorite right now because of his... Uh, wit the way he writes his dialogue it's kind of a character in and of itself social network isn't like my one of my favorite movies of all time dude i was actually compiling like since you know it's 2019 we're at the end of that oh decade. yeah the end of the decade man yeah no so it's like i'm compiling i've been compiling lists and stuff just going through like favorite performances favorite screenplays social network is my number one right now yeah it's i remembered seeing that when it came out and i didn't I underestimated how impactful it would be on like my sensibilities in telling stories and loving film. But it's kind of almost like a gateway drug in a lot of ways for a bunch of us that started earlier in the decade looking into movies that weren't big blockbusters at the time. Yeah, no, it's like everybody was firing on all cylinders. So you got like Sorkin with obviously the screenplay of the freaking decade. And then you've got, you know, David Fincher. I honestly think it's probably his best movie. Yeah, overall, it's, it's the perfect marriage of like a great cast, perfect director, and a great uh, rapid fire script. Trent Reznor and uh, Atticus Ross, right? Yeah, just killing it on that on that soundtrack. Oh my god, 
I listen to it. I'm. I listen to that for homework, especially. It's yeah, perfect no. for homework. When yeah. I'm coding, it's like, well, I want to code better, so I'm going to put on the social network. Yep. Yeah. But yeah, so I've been going through Aaron Sorkin's um, stuff uh, on his master class and then just kind of, you know, trying to see how to make writing better with what he says. But writing sucks, dude. I mean, oh, it's. It sucks. Well, it's a. Like, it's kind of like going to the gym, right? You yeah. To, when you're at the gym, Neither you're way, like, yeah. screw this. But then, like, after you're done, you're like, okay, I don't feel like, like an asshole. If anything, <laughs> I actually feel pretty good at the end of it where, when you get something done and everything else. Honestly, like, these days, like, when it comes to my gym stuff, like, going on a tangent, mm-hmm. uh, when it comes to me going to the gym, I just go for the feeling out of it rather than the results. I mean, because it's hard to kind of, uh, say, focus on a certain diet, mm-hmm. you know? So uh, nowadays, I'm just trying to maintain a relatively healthy weight weight or whatever and i just enjoy the feeling i get out of exercising so there's just a few random tidbits about what what you've been doing lately uh what i've been doing lately um this is just random but we're gonna actually we're actually here together today to discuss uh in honor of the release of the new uh, men in black international (laughs) we're gonna talk about mainly the first three films and um josh didn't get to see the new movie but i did and i'll give you guys my thoughts on uh, men in black international at the end of our discussion of the first three films so uh if you could pull it up real quick, Josh. Like, yeah. when did the first Men in Black come out again? July second, nineteen ninety seven. Nineteen ninety seven, right? And uh, that was the same year Titanic came out, actually. And Boogie Nights, if I remember. Yeah, Boogie Nights. And uh, Men in Black was the third biggest film of that year. Uh, it was. Ba- it's actually based on a comic, uh, not too successful comic. It was, a Mar- it was Marvel, right? It was a Marvel comic story. It wasn't that popular, you know. But um, they found that property and. Uh, I rewatched it again recently, and I actually found it kind of refreshing watching a blockbuster for its time be as small as it was. Even though, like, you have a bit of a scale with, like, the sci-fi and everything else. In a lot of ways, I think that movie really was lightning in a bottle because it succeeded on uh, this, the chemistry of the two leads. You know, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, honestly, I, I mean, I love them. They often play similar characters in all their other movies, but their chemistry just works real well, especially when um, Will Smith joins him for the first time and everything i always thought the movie had a lot of a uh, great uh charisma throughout it like barry sonnenfeld really did a good job directing it and i loved how uh the creature designs the the funness of the tone it was just funny it's 98 minutes long the movie's actually pretty short which is kind of refreshing these days because it seems like movies have to go on longer than two hours mm. and it goes by real quick it's a breezy fun uh, summer blockbuster and shows Will Smith at the height of his uh, superstardom, really. Yeah, like, do you have any uh, memories with Men in Black, the first one? With at least? Men in Black, the first one. Well, actually, I want to I want to give a quick sh- you know quick shout out real quick to uh, Quentin Tarantino who was offered this movie to direct it. Yeah. And before yeah. Uh, it was either this or Pulp Fiction, he decided to ditch Men in Black and do Pulp Fiction instead. Can you, you know? imagine a <laughs> Quentin Tarantino Men in Black movie? Yeah, honestly, uh, I can't because I think just we've grown up with Men in Black, so it's like it's hard to imagine what. Yeah, it would like, be like you and I both. Uh, it was one of those movies that was kind of on the background often, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, whether it was on TNT or whatever mm-hmm. or TBS, wherever it was playing it. But um, really, uh, in a lot of ways, it's a uh, in its at its time, it was an original story, even though it was based on a comic. But back then, I was like, oh, that's cool, you know. Uh, you have to erase your identity basically to the whole public. You have to disappear to join this organization, which you, uh, you know, with the aliens and all that. And uh, a lot of things I wanted to give a shout out to that film. Uh, Rip Torn, who plays their boss. Uh, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, who plays one of the aliens in there. He's quite memorable in there. Uh, the movie is just such a breezy, fun... Uh, it's definitely a product of the 90s. 
certainly. Oh, yeah. But the VFX, very practical. It still uh, holds up. <laughs> still holds up. It's just fun because uh, these days, and I'll get into it when I talk about the new movie, uh, these days, whenever they do VFX these days, it seems so clean, so uh, pristine when certain things happen, even with the kills. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, they just get vaporized and disappear rather than in Men in Black, they all turn gooey and messy and it <laughs> explodes in your face and it's gross, but it's also hilarious. In a lot of ways... Um, People kind of compared that first Men in Black to when Ghostbusters came out in 84, where it had a similar sensibility. Ironically, they're both oh, from... Oh, I see. Yeah, that's cool. They're both from Sony, but uh, also, <laughs> they're about a group of people who uh, are in an organization that had to deal with some sort of other being. For Ghostbusters, obviously, it was ph- phantoms and ghosts, and for Men in Black, it was aliens, obviously. Uh, so many memorable side characters. Uh, I've always wanted a pug, like Frank. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I, I guess <laughs> you know, like it's just hilarious where they started off. You think, oh, the guy next to the the pug is gonna be the alien, and then it re- it reveals, oh, Frank is actually the alien, the pug. Who who voiced that, by the way? I forget. Who, I always forget who I'll voices right Frank the pug. But I love that moment where uh, Tom Lee Jones is just shaking him around, you know, <laughs> and just, like dying, and everybody's just looking like, why are you why are you strangling this dog? Frank the pug. Let me look. Wait, where is he? Oh, here we go. Voices. Tim Blaney. Who who's Tim Blaney? Let's look him up. Uh, he was in, he was an American puppeteer. He provided the voices for Frank the Pug and sh- a self-aware robot in Short Circuit and Short Circuit Two. So he hasn't done much. <laughs> oh, he's a prominent voice actor, I guess. But like, he's a puppeteer more than anything. But it's fun because looking back at that first film, in a lot of ways, I think the first film was kind of the peak of the series. You know, yeah, we'll, we'll get into definitely. the next two because it wasn't gonna. Nobody expected it to be as big of a hit as it was at that time. To turn into a franchise eventually, and uh, you said you said third or tenth highest grossing movie of that year. Third, third, the wow. same year as, as Titanic, and I think <laughs> Jurassic, Jurassic Park two came out. Uh, the Lost World came out that same year, so that was a big movie. But though, like um, Titanic, uh, we all know, Obviously. ended up becoming the biggest movie of all time for a couple years. Uh, Lost World, which, on a tangent, Lost World sucks. Uh, that movie sucks. I don't uh, even remember that movie. <laughs> that's the second Jurassic Park movie with Jeff Goldblum. You know, he has a kid, and they... Oh, Julianne right. Moore is in it. Vince Vaughn's in it. That's right. It's all, terrible. I remember... All I remember from, like, the sequels to Jurassic Park is the third one. It's, uh... There's, like, a helicopter, and they, like, leave the island. Yeah. It's... That's, I'll give that it's movie just... credit. It's short. <laughs> it's, it's short. It's, like, 90 minutes. <laughs> You know. I mean, I guess. But like, but yeah, going back to Men in Black, like it was lightning in a bottle for its time. I think it's especially succeeded with, sorry, it succeeded with like the chemistry, especially with those two leads, Tommy yeah. Jones and Will Smith. Like I said, Will Smith at that time was basically the biggest star in the world. You know, Fresh Prince either just ended or it was in its prime or to, towards its end. And Will Smith was in a lot of movies during that era where, especially some reason they came out in July. Like he was like Will Smith Day, and I'm pretty sure the the theme song, the Men in Black. You know how he did like that hip hop cover yeah. of Forget Me Nots or whatever. I think that one. Yeah, Forget Me Nots. Yeah, yeah. That, that it makes sense because you think about the sampling on that song and the Neuralizer Forget Me Not. I mean, you know, yeah, like, it's 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 really weird. It's and that like, song still still bumps, honestly. Like it's a fun uh, song to play when you just want to kind of have a nice '90s groove. And you know that was the era in which Will Smith was still. Like a, a rapper, the, yeah, like DJ Jazzy Jeff. That when era. we didn't have Jaden Smith, <laughs> Jaden Smith. I, I mean, well, the thing is, like, every time the credits, because it plays during the credits. Yeah. Every time it plays it, so it's like you're gonna leave the credits on until it finishes playing. Yeah. So um, that that those are some of our thoughts on the original Men in Black. Um, we're gonna go briefly discuss the second two. Uh, 
I don't remember the second one as much. All I remembered was it was just like, oh, it's just another sequel. You know, it's not terrible per se, but it's 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 weird. Okay, before actually before we move on, I want to give a huge shout out to the screenwriter of the first Men in Black, who was Ed Solomon, I believe. Let me look it up. Yeah, what Ed, are his credits? Ed Solomon. Let's see what else he wrote. Ed Solomon. Ed Solomon. Filmography: Revenge of the Nerds, Bill nice. and Ted's Excellent Adventure. Whoa. Yeah. Super Mario Bros. He wrote that movie. Oh my god. <laughs> that masterpiece, right? Yeah. Oh, he wrote. <laughs> Charlie's Angels, the movie. Uh, imagine that. Now you see me. Imagine wow. that was that Eddie Murphy movie. Bill and Ted again, and then Now You See Me too. So not the best filmography, but he's definitely had some highlights. No, honestly, this is okay. I like I said before, we move on. The screenplay is absolutely like nuts. Like it's from like a screenwriting like perspective. From that first so, film, yeah. Yeah, it's like insane. It's like a noir movie, but like modern day aliens. It's sci-fi. It's stupidly yeah. well written. It's hilarious. The, the jokes yeah. are funny. That's, they all hit. <laughs> they really do hit. When was the last time you saw a comedy movie and the jokes were funny, right? Especially from the 90s. Like most 90s movies that are comedy just do not hold up. But yeah, no. Yeah, shout yeah, out to honestly, yeah, I agree. But yeah, that, that there's that. And then we go to Men in Black 2, which uh, 2002, I believe, is when it came out, right? Just a couple years uh, after, around that time. Sure. Men in Black 2. All I remember from Men in Black 2 is the girl from Twin Peaks was in there. Uh, Which one? Lara Flynn Boyle. Yeah. And she isn't plays... Rosario Dawson in it also? Rosario just... Dawson is in it. She's but... in it. She played like a... Lara Flynn Boyle was uh, and wasn't the leading one... lady of this one. And, didn't... and oddly enough, didn't Michael Jackson have a cameo? Did he? Yeah, I, I remembered somewhere. Like I think he had a cameo in there as like an agent or something. Like It's been a long time since I've seen Men in Black 2. Oh too. my god, yeah. I totally... Yeah, because it was like... No, I think, isn't that the first one, though? No, he wasn't in the first one. It was the second one, I'm certain. Let me look it up. I'm pretty I sure mean, it was the second one. Voices. No, it's the first was one. Was it the first one? Yeah, it's the first one, because he's like... Or it was a deleted scene. I always keep... No, because yeah. he walks in, and then he's like, talking to Kay, and then Kay's like, uh, yeah, sure. But that's pretty much... Give me a sec. Now you got me questioning my, <laughs> my men in black knowledge. Michael Jackson, Michael Jackson. Michael Jackson cameo, Men in Black, it's in Men in Black 2. Damn it. He was like, uh, I, f- I found the scenes. Yeah, he's in He's in there. He was, uh... What? Yeah, I found the... Th- Sorry if you hear some radio silence here. What but the hell? Like... Martha Stewart was in this movie, too. Yeah, there's a lot of random... Where does Martha Stewart show up? It's Like I said, it's been a while since we've seen Men in Black 2. It's like I haven't rewatched that one as much as I have the first one, but it, there are things I remembered that I found interesting. Like one, it's always weird that uh, it feels like Tommy Lee Jones always ends up getting dragged into these movies because in the end of the first one he retires, like he leaves, hmm. and then he ends up. You gotta make back. that money though. I mean, sure, it's a paycheck and all of that, but isn't Will Smith good enough on his own to kind of get a new blood in? But then again, their chemistry is what sells that movie. This is a weird thing, too. Okay, so critics love the first Men in Black. It's in, like, the high 90s on Rotten Tomato. Sure. The second Men in Black is in, like, 38%, which is really weird. It's because not that bad. It's, it's, I don't it's, think so either. It's a generic sequel that's, that we, doesn't really add much new to the table except a few fun creature sequences and uh, typical expected chemistry and comedy and charisma that we get from Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones. Well, even, even that, like, the first... like. I'm trying to like figure out why the second movie isn't as good. Is it the, is it the like the monster alien like the villain? Because the, the villain from the first one is pretty badass. The whole cockroach. Yeah, thing. yeah. You oh, by the way, you asked me like like a fun like childhood memory of the first movie. Here's yeah. my childhood memory. My childhood memory consists of I was 
eating or I was cooking orange chicken, frozen orange chicken. And uh, like this orange chicken for some reason just took forever to make. And then finally, like I started heating it up like the beginning of the movie. It took like an hour to make this orange chicken. And finally, the orange chicken is ready. So I pour the orange sauce over the orange chicken. Yeah. And I come back, and it's right at the scene where the the cockroach alien tears off his Edgar suit. Oh, really? And uh, and uh, turns into the cockroach. And all I remember is like looking down at my orange chicken, and like I like go to take a bite, and I like rip off like half a chunk of orange chicken. I start chewing it, and I look up on the screen, and I see the alien just tearing off his Edgar suit, and the little like the skin peeling off from like his flesh or whatever looked exactly like the orange chicken I was eating. And it's been very difficult for me to eat orange chicken from now on. Because every time I eat it, I just think of, like, I'm eating, just, I don't know, is, like that... a cockroach skin. So, yeah. Um, Man. <laughs> I have a love-hate relationship with orange chicken and Men in Black. Thanks a lot, Men in Black. Ruining orange chicken for Josh right here. Yeah. Yeah, but, yeah, Men in Black too. like, you know, uh, you know uh, Agent uh, J, or is it K? Is K Will Smith or is J Will Smith? Hold on. J. Yeah, he's Agent J. Uh, he's off looking for uh, K because he retired, you know, and then a mission kind of reemerges <laughs> that has to bring him out of retirement, even though they closed his story off quite nicely in that first film. But of course, money and success, so they had to make another one. Like, I don't remember how did they close the loop? Okay, so in the in the at the end of the first movie, he K goes back to his wife. Right. How do they address that in the second movie? Is it like? Oh, she left him, huh? Yes. Yeah, he goes, that's why yeah. she left you, Kay. That's why she left you. And then he just punches Jay in the face. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> that's a terrible way to bring that's, back Kay. That's unfortunate. It's like, oh, we need to find a... I always find it sad whenever a sequel has to cancel a, a nice uh, romantic relationship that ended like pretty happy for the characters. But then they bring them back in a dumb way in a sequel just because they need to bring them back. Reminds me in Ted 2, where in the first Ted, uh, Mark Wahlberg ends up uh, marrying Mila Kunis' character. And then in Ted 2, they divorce. Amanda, Amanda Seyfried comes in and saves the saves the movie. Because they not. divorced or some shit. Yeah, like, it's, it's so weird. But, like, like well, Men, uh, Men well, in Black 2 is just a, a typical sequel, basically. Yeah, it doesn't it's, really bring it's anything weird. New. It's kind of forgettable. Might have a few amusing moments and imagery yeah. from the first that will give you a chuckle. But uh, once again, what I I appreciate like those Men in Black movies, especially those first two mainly, they're pretty short because Men in Black Two is under ninety minutes. It's like and eighty-eight minutes long. Really, the first yeah. one's what? Like it's... ninety-one minutes or ninety-eight minutes. Ninety, and then the third one is uh, Men in Black Three, is uh, one hundred six minutes, so it's a little longer. Jesus. Yeah, like uh, Men in Black Two though, like going back to the whole Will Smith hip hop songs that he did, he had another song, Nod Your Head. You know, oh era, yeah, which was another fun. Uh, Nod your head like Black this. Suits coming, yeah. Like that's a fun. <laughs> I guess what I always appreciated with those two movies, like it was just fun. They're fun for the most part, especially the first. But I like those songs because they're just really fun to dance to. Like it adds a, a personality to those movies, uh, which leads us to three. Uh, have you seen three? Men three, three, yeah, the one with Josh Brolin. They go back in time, actually, which is good casting, by the way. That's really yeah, good casting. Was, like he but, nails that impression of young Tommy Lee Jones. Another, another shout out to Josh Brolin for being in literally everything. <laughs> yeah, but it's so funny because like it feels like Tommy Lee Jones is like I don't really want to do much in this movie. Go back in time, get a younger version of me. I'll get my paycheck. And Josh Brolin's like, I'm down. I'm trying to make some money. Yeah, you know, and it's it's so funny, like. A lot of people don't like that movie. Like, uh, they think it's actually one of the worst of all of the movies, including the one I'm about to uh, talk about soon. But um, Men in Black 3, I actually kind of found kind of charming in some ways. I mean, 
it's weird because there's this one character that a lot of people find annoying, which I get. He was played by uh, Michael Stuhlbarg, actually, uh, who's a great character actor. He was in Call Me By Your Name. Uh, yeah. He played Elio's dad in that movie. Great he's, movie. Yeah, and he's in other, other films like The Post. No, he was in, like, everything. Like, two years ago, he was in every movie. He's a supporting actor in a lot of great movies. And yeah, people Steve Jobs. Yeah, he's, Steve he's Jobs. an incredible actor. and it's But he was... A lot of people found him annoying as his character in that movie because he would always speak so fast, recall certain things. That's because they don't know who Michael... How do you pronounce his name? Michael Stuhlbarg. Stuhlbarg, okay. But, you know, it it was... I think the movie kind of succeeded in some ways with... I don't think it's great by any means, but I actually enjoyed it because uh, it it, it does keep the charm that the first two had in some ways, especially the first. Oops, sorry, there was an echo there (laughs) from the volume. But, uh... What I found interesting about uh, Men in Black 3, actually, is how it ends. Like, uh, You know what? I d- Wait, first off, do you know who's a huge fan of this movie, Men in Black 3? Paul Thomas Anderson. Really? He loves this movie. Are you serious? Yeah, he really likes this movie. Where do you read this? He was uh, there. He was going back and like reviewing like a bunch of his like favorite movies from the past couple of years, and he's like, oh my god, did you guys see like the new Men in Black? You're not it pulling was like, my leg, are you? I'm not. Paul Thomas Anderson loves this movie. I'm looking this up right now. Uh, Washington, yes. okay, Washington Post. What, uh, what does it say about Paul Thomas Anderson? Okay. Okay. Paul Thomas Anderson, by the way, is one uh, accomplished director. Uh, he's directed films like Boogie Nights, The Master, Magnolia, uh, Punch Drunk Love, There'll Be Blood, a few of my favorite films. Okay, so this is what he said. Did you see Men in Black 3? <laughs> he continues, it was expletive great. The time travel stuff made me cry my eyes out. I'm a sucker for that stuff. Yeah. <laughs> so that's surprising. Apparently, Paul Thomas, Paul Thomas Anderson's a big fan of Men in Black 3. Dude, but that's, that's the thing. Paul Thomas Anderson, he gives credit, or like, or not gives credit or credit is due, because I don't know if credit is due as much on this one as maybe the other ones. But he like, he tells you straight up, I know everybody hated uh, Last Jedi. I don't know. What your listeners think about? I know Last that's Jedi. a very polarizing film. I, I'm actually a big fan of that film. But like Paul Thomas, he'll like if he likes a movie, he'll be like, "Yeah, I love that movie." If he doesn't like a movie, he'll be like, "Eh, it wasn't for me." But like he loved the Last Jedi. He didn't care what anybody was saying. He was like, "I love this movie." To I don't be care fair, that movie is actually pretty well beloved by a lot of people who are contemporaries of that director because he's a pretty beloved uh, director for people who are film film people. You know, like that follow like that. Like smaller independent stuff because of his films like Looper and Brick, okay, and Brothers Bloom. You know, I've not heard about the Brothers Bloom, but I own Brick on DVD because it's freaking awesome. Yeah, but um, that that was just a random tangent again about uh, <laughs> that and Johnson. Paul Thomas Anderson, Ryan Johnson, and Star Wars, which is another podcast on its own. But um, that was interesting to find that out about Men in Black Three and Paul Thomas Anderson. Yeah, you and- know, But going back, how I I always enjoyed the way the movie cl- concluded. Because they they revealed something about like the past with the characters with uh, Agent are we, J. Are we spoiling Men in Black Three? Sure. I, we'll Who spoil. cares? I'm like, actually yeah. I'm not I'm not a I'm not a huge fan of that ending because it's just like it was just I feel like they were just trying to make it a way to like make it even like more emotional. I like, I liked it. I, I found it it worked for me. I don't know. I don't know about that one because it just seemed kind of like Deus Ex Ma- like not Deus Ex Machina. Is is that? Is that the term? Deus ex... Oh, no, it's still... Machina? <laughs> ex machina. I always say ex machina because... That's... Because of the actual... It's a it's a deus ex something where it just comes out of nowhere. You're just like, oh, I mean, I guess. And so, if like, you... I guess. What we're going for here is that it's revealed why um, Will Smith's dad was never in the picture when he was growing up. And we find out Will Smith's dad was actually killed. And... Uh... By Boris the whatever... <laughs> 
Boris the Animal, is that his name? It's been forever. <laughs> I haven't seen this movie since theaters, but I always remember that part because um, Will Smith's character finally witnesses like the younger version of him talking to um, younger Agent K and Agent K telling him your dad was a hero and then using Neuralizer on him because of what he witnessed, you know, what he could have witnessed about his dad. And um, I always found that whole thing touching, not just for Will Smith's character, but for their relationship together to realize, hey, you've always been there for me. And uh, the connection, it, it just had a lot of heart. I, I, it, that's what give, gave me the edge to giving it, yeah, you know what, I like this movie. I actually I, like Men in Black 3. My, my favorite part about this movie is not the emotional part. My favorite part is just Bill Hader showing up as Andy Warhol. And <laughs> oh yeah, that like, was great. He, just, he runs the factory. Men in Black run... One of the greatest art movements in history. Oh, but. yeah. Him as Andy Warhol. Bill, yeah, I don't know. I guess they just kind of pulled all stops on this one. They were just like, we need as many comedians as this one. What is Emma Thompson doing in this movie? That's oh, the she's also point. in the new movie. She's also in What is she doing in these movies? Okay, like, I'll, I'll buy... Uh, what's his name? Chris Hemsworth. I'll buy Chris Hemsworth in Men in Black, sure. Or is it Liam? Which one is it? It's Chris. <laughs> is it it's Chris? Thor. Okay. It's Thor. Thor is in. The, I'll buy Thor in this movie. Whatever. And Valkyrie's in it too. At Tessa Thompson. Yeah, I'll. Well, Tessa Thompson's freaking amazing. Yeah, I, I love, love Tessa her. Thompson to death. So I'll buy those two in this movie. I do not buy freaking Emma Thompson Emma, in these movies. Yeah, she's there for a paycheck for both of them. You know, I don't buy Nanny McPhee in my Men in Black. Okay, <laughs> not my Men in this Black. This is not. This is not my Men. In, Nanny McPhee McPhee <laughs> belongs nowhere near my Men in Black. Wow. Okay, but um. Before we go on to my review on International, I w- wanted to say this about Men in Black 3. I think there, another reason why people don't like it as much is because of the song that they have for it. What is... Oh, wait. It's it was a Pitbull pit song. Okay, okay. Back in time. I guess we're completely opposite because I freaking love that you song. You like that song? I listen to that song probably an average of like once a year, which is way more than I should say for You're probably any gonna Pitbull song. listen to it today then because You know what? This. I'll play it right now after no, your podcast. <laughs> okay, maybe. But like... I think it's because I wanted Will Smith to just do another song, you know, and it's that. And also Pitbull is typically an overproduced uh, musician that I don't find interesting. I don't know. Have you, like, I've never been to a Pitbull concert, but I want to. I've heard Pitbull concerts are, like, legit. Like, all you got to do is you just slam a couple of of natty lights. You go to a Pitbull concert, you're going to have the greatest night of your life. I wish you guys could see us right now because I'm just smirking right now at the thought of you smashing um, natty lights. What? Natty lights. Natty dude? lights. Oh god. At a pitbull concert no less. I I I'm just <laughs> man. But I never liked that song. I always found it like come oh, on. I love just it. give me give me a new honestly just have a Will Will Smith remixed song, you know. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, Will Smith did new music for Aladdin. I mean, at the end of Aladdin, it's although it's weird hearing DJ Khaled at the end. At the end of Aladdin? Yeah, I have the, not seen well, Aladdin. In the end credits, no it's actually not bad. But at, at the end credits, like, there's a, a reproduced version of, like, Friend Like Me and DJ Khaled's on it. DJ so, Khaled so at the ruined end credits, Robin Williams' legacy. Wow. <laughs> but at the end, you hear DJ Khaled. Another and Will one. Will Smith goes, yeah, basically. Please but, don't um, give us another one. <laughs> and he's still salty about not getting number one. Uh, dude, I don't know what DJ Khaled's at. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> Anyways, that was just a random tangent on, like, Pitbull, DJ Khaled, and Will Smith. But, um, but Men in Black 3, uh, I thought it was okay. Uh, for the most, I'll say this much, I actually enjoy all those three movies in varying degrees. I mean, the first one's the best one by far. By far. It's not even close. It's definitely a diminishing returns kind of situation in terms of the quality <laughs> of all these movies. Men in Black 2, I think, is the most forgettable. 
You probably. know what? Tarantino needs to for his tenth and final movie. He's got to come back and just direct like Men in Black, Jonah Hill. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, funny about that because actually, let's talk about this before uh, we talk about my re- or before I review uh, Men yeah. in Black International. A couple mo- years back, there was leaked plans that uh, there was going to be the tw- basically twenty three Jump Street, which would have been the third movie in the Jump Street series, would have been a crossover with Men in Black. Know, it was going to be MIB 23. James Bobbin was going to direct it. Uh, it was basically going to be Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill. Wasn't it Lord and Miller? They were going to direct produce it. They were going oh, to produce, gonna produce and it. write part of it, I think. And uh, they didn't go through with it. It just didn't get made because uh, Jonah Hill mentioned, like, I don't know if that movie's ever going to get made, and it looks like it's been canceled, which is unfortunate because it would have fit perfectly in the tone of both because one with 23 Jump Street. Cause Wait, that's a thing? Well, eventually, oh. eventually they'll make one. Hopefully, I love those movies. But um, that would have been cool. Can you imagine Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum's characters as Men in Black people Just messing you know? around? And... Sorry, Men in Black people. I mean, Men in Black uh, members. Honestly, I totally can see it because for some reason Jonah Hill and Channing Tatum is the new comedy duo. They're the new Jerry Lewis. I'm waiting Dean for Martin. their. Well, it's been a couple years since 22. I want to see them really? do another movie. It's 2014. Remember we watched that together when I graduated high school. Oh shoot! You know what? It's been freaking years. Yeah, but I missed those two together, and I would have loved to have seen MIB 23 because although some people thought it sounded stupid, I think it would have been a fun parody making fun of like cinematic universes, which is the big thing right now, obviously, with Marvel. But um, they didn't make it, which is unfortunate, and uh, instead they decided to reboot uh, Men in Black. Or not reboot, but more have a spinoff of Men in Black because this time Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones don't return. Uh Although it's in the same world, they're same really? universe. Yeah, they don't return. Huh? They don't. I have not seen this movie. Yeah. So this is a this is the first. So um, I'm glad Josh is here to hear me talk about Men in Black Go International just roast, just overall roast the because um, shit out of it. Here, here's the thing that I here's my thing with this movie. Uh, this movie is basically the epitome of sequels. Lazy corporate sequels that the studio greenlit because it had a name to it and they hope they can make some money out of it which it doesn't look like it is because the movie's not performing that well really as a result like it's funny this summer has been pretty pretty poor for a lot of these movies that aren't disney or john wick because uh avengers came out obviously that was gonna be the biggest movie of the year and then a few decades and then a few other movies came out like Pikachu, which did okay, but yeah. not like the big hit that people thought it was going to be. Uh, other movies like was God- that movie good? Sorry, I, I enjoyed Pikachu. Uh, and then Godzilla came out, which I have issues with, you know. But I thought it would be bigger in terms of its success, but it underperformed. Uh, Aladdin did well, surprisingly, <laughs> box office wise with That's Disney. Really weird. Yeah, John Wick did well, but um, besides Disney, John Wick and a few other stuff that came out recently, this summer has been a big underperformance for uh, the industry. Especially like for non Disney studios, because uh, some blame sequelitis, and I wouldn't uh, disagree with that. I wouldn't disagree with that at all, because going to Men in Black International, it is the epitome of just a corporate blueprint of what they want to make, because they really only care about making more movies in the Men in Black series beyond making this movie itself a good movie. Because honestly, like it's it was really boring. It's a, we're in a weird time because okay. We're in the golden age of TV. Like, TV obviously runs the world right now. If you have even, like, the stupidest TV idea, like, it's going to get made. Um, And there's more... And honestly, TV has never had better television shows than they have now. I mean, 
the first episode of this podcast was on Game of Thrones. My issues with the season aside, um, it caught the world by storm. You know, like yeah. everyone got excited. Every, all any okay. In. When people come home, they're not trying to go to the movie theater. They're trying to Netflix and chill. Literally, they're literally just trying to Netflix and chill. Not among other things. <laughs> yeah, no, they're literally just trying to like you know relax. You know, grab a beer and like watch Netflix. A Netflix TV show and just like binge watch it. So like movies got to compete with that, and it's kind of hard to do that when your entire movie going audience is like just staying home, which sucks. Cause like for people that like, I don't know. I don't know. It, like I think it depends on the movie that's being released. Yeah, it's well, it's we're just in a weird time right now. Yeah, but going back <laughs> onto the movie itself and my thoughts, like the movie is so generic and in a lot of places like it just follows some of the similar beats that we've seen in the other films where they would go on their missions it's about uh unlikely duo teaming up to and work together on a mission or whatever and it's a bit sad because i thought chris hemsworth wasn't i don't think either of them are bad either chris hemsworth nor tessa thompson i thought they were fine like but it was i was expecting more because fine their chemistry was fine nothing special it wasn't like thor ragnarok where we see them together where when we meet them, they're just hilarious. They're just hidden on each other. You know, the or an, time. or an Endgame even when we when she appears for a bit in Endgame and she talks about how Thor doesn't want to see anyone. Like you feel their chemistry in those two movies, and um, they have a great comedic chemistry. They jump off on each other pretty well. But here in the movie, they don't really explore that dynamic that much. I mean, and I'll tell you this much with Chris Hemsworth character, uh, he's just like just he's kind of like a take on like the James Bond kind of hero where he's always trying to get away with everything, you know, sleep with a girl or whatever, go on the missions, drink, whatever. And uh, he sells some of the funny parts, like delivery-wise, but the dialogue itself is kind of trash and uh, nothing special. And Tessa Thompson's character, the way they bring her into it, they show where she began, like as a kid, where her parents were neuralized, but she wasn't. And then she tried to find the men in black for years. Basically, she's an antisocial girl. Like She didn't (laughs) have a lot. She was a she was really smart, but she didn't have a lot of friends or connections. Hmm. But they don't even explore much of that. They just put her in the team or have her join the Men in Black, and she joins Chris Hemsworth on this adventure that's really boring and by yeah, the numbers. What's the, what's the plot? So we had Boris the Animal in the third one. What's what's the fourth one? Honestly, it's it's just another mission. It's just another mission for these two new recruits that we haven't met yet, and they meet this alien who's the last of his kind because of something happened, played by Kumail Nanjiani. Who I thought was gonna annoy me, but he's actually he actually turned out to be my favorite part of the movie. He plays an alien, <laughs> like a, a miniature alien. He, he's basically there to sell Funko Pops okay. and toys. You know, you you see pictures. <laughs> let, me show, let me show you a picture of this character, and I, tell me, of course, he was made to sell toys. I really hope it's just like a Funko. <laughs> he literally is the size of a of an action figure. Do they keep his head on? Oh yeah, yeah. but okay. like, let me show you his character, and you'll go like, yep, yep, he was designed to make toys. But just do yourself a favor. Like, this is what he looks like, you know. Josh. I, I know you can't see it on the audio. Oh, I can see that. But it's yeah. like, and he's like adorable or whatever. And it's like, come on, really? But he actually turns out to be one of the funnier parts of the movie. Like, like I said, the movie doesn't really do anything with these characters at all. There's nothing interesting to them. They just throw them into these situations. And also, the movie's safe. The movie's very safe, which is funny because those first few Men in Black movies, especially the first one, um, they go very goofy. They play into the goofy to comedic effect with some slapstick, some great kills, 
with the gore and the goo, the goo. I keep saying gooey, but it's, that's what I keep thinking. Yeah, of. no, it's just it blue. splatters everywhere. It's the special effects. Green, Rick Baker slime. was a part of that team, so his designs were. Wait, who's, who's Rick Baker? An acclaimed, um, beloved uh, desi- character designer. Interesting. Yeah, you know, and he he's done such a great job with those movies. But here, like I mentioned, and when the first film, when they kill off an alien, they're all messy and gooey and it explodes with practical effects. Here, it's just like vapor vaporizers and all that and it's like clean and uh you know like some a lot of the sequences just felt kind of like trite like i've seen this before Mm -hmm. and um, they try to throw in a twist at the end that you see coming a mile away about a certain character being a villain it's like of course like this there's nothing surprising about this at all and by the end of the movie i just felt like well i saw a movie (laughs) you ever felt like that before josh where you just go see a movie and you're like it was a movie yeah, that's, uh, well, when I went to go see Dark Hours, like, wow, I just watched a book. And that's, <laughs> that's what I felt, but yeah, I it's, mean. but this is, and it's also almost two, this movie's nearly two hours long, like 115 minutes. It doesn't need to be at all. Um, it's, it doesn't real and because with the first three movies, it has to do a lot with New York, you know, because yeah. Men in Black was based in New York. Here, they try to make it a big thing. Oh, international, international. you know, and they you go gotta, to, you gotta peel that They market. go to Paris, you know, and, um. Here's my issue lately with certain um, big studio movies going to Paris. Um, I don't know if you saw Crimes of Grindelwald. Is that the Harry Beasts. Potter? Yeah. Um, they go to Paris in there, and they go to Paris here, but they don't do anything interesting yeah. with those settings. It's, pro- it's probably because of that tax-exempt, uh, I don't know, well, also tax credits. Yeah, and they could get away with like doing it there. They're not going to go to another country where you have to do a different language. Like... That's not English, and you know with Chris Hemsworth having an accent to pass off. What happened to China? I know with Transformers, they went to China for a little bit because they were probably getting heck of money. Well, of course, but that's a whole other subject. But with but my issue here, like I said, the movie just feels so safe. You could tell that this was like by the numbers. The studio said, hey, we want to make sure this is accessible to all the audiences. We don't want to make them feel weird watching it or whatever. And it's like, come on. Nah. You could have gotten away with weird. You know who would have been perfect for Men in Black? Who? I keep mentioning this because we mentioned Jump Street, but Lord of Miller would have been perfect yeah, for a Men in Black. I can see that. I can hella see that, actually. Also, but, like, funny enough, though, because with that Jump Street crossover, as much as I would have been interested to see that, what's the point of doing a crossover if you're not going to bring Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones? So they don't show up at... How do they... They don't show up at all. How do they mention... I guess there's a painting of them. So did they like retire? <laughs> I don't know. They're probably no. I'm pretty sure they're just working. They just don't mention them at all. That's really whack. Because Emma Thompson's in this movie. Oh yeah, for she like plays five minutes. It's not Zed. Who does she play? Oh, <sighs> it's been so long. What letter? What letter? She... We'll just call her Emma Thompson. And uh, <laughs> Agent she, Emma Thompson. Okay. She's there, and she doesn't really do much because uh, she's just there to tell them, "Hey, look, I'm here. Here's, here's the mission. Here's the mission. Here's That's what you need the to job. do. That's the job." Like. Like, like I said, when I left the movie, I just thought, oh, okay, I saw a movie, and it wasn't good. It was very boring and generic, and it had maybe a few moments of chuckles, but... You know the last movie that, that happened to me? The Mummy. That's what happened when the I Tom saw... The Tom Cruise movie? The Tom Cruise Mummy. I was like... <laughs> I never saw it. I was like, what did I... Okay. Actually, it wasn't even like a what did I just watch. I knew exactly what I watched. I watched a movie, and I was like, okay. I'm and gonna, it was bad. Yeah. I'm gonna go do my taxes now. <laughs> yeah, that's that's the issue. Like... Sony was trying to kickstart one of their franchises that they owned because they don't own a lot. And um, this was one that they had for them that was successful for them in the past. But I can't help but feel like, I mean, if you're going to go all in with a new version, make it good for one. But also what you should do is uh, 
try to make sure that even if you don't have your two main stars from the past few movies back, that shouldn't matter. But I I missed those two so much. I missed Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones it, so much watching it, it. It comes down to the writing, I'm telling you. If the writing's bad, the movie's bad. Yeah. You know, but like even with the writing was bad in those those two sequels with Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones, they were still fun to watch and I like I just like seeing them together. You know, there's just a lot of fun camaraderie that they have and they really are the heart of these movies in a lot of ways. But um they try to capture I thought they would capture that cuz there's a new director, F Gary Gray. It's not Barry Sonnenfeld anymore. Who, what does he do? He did Straight Outta Compton. Really? Uh he did uh Fate of the Furious. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> he did a... I forgot what other films he did. He, Fate. Yeah, he did F8. But I thought he would add an interesting energy to it, but he doesn't really do much at all. You don't really feel his sensibilities. Oh. Well, I mean, he didn't do much straight out of Compton either. I mean... I'm a fan the, of that movie. Well, I like the movie, but it's like... That movie is made by, you know, the actors. You know, O'Shea Jackson and all those kinds yeah, of Yeah, Jason guys. Mitchell, Corey Hawkins. Yeah. yeah. But like, Paul Giamatti. And the... <laughs> My my thing with Men in Black International to really wrap this all up honestly is this movie is the like I said it's as generic of a relaunch of a franchise as you can get um like like uh I felt sad watching uh there was a moment where you see Chris Hemsworth grab a hammer or like when he's fighting somebody and it's like oh, oh I get it it's cuz he's Thor isn't it <laughs> That's <No>. really bad. <laughs> yeah, it's so on the nose and it doesn't help that she's there too. Given that they both were Thor, does and she grab a, I don't know, a, a, a unicorn? <laughs> does she grab a unicorn? No, <laughs> no, no. Like I said, the movie is just very, by the numbers, nothing special about it. it brings nothing new to the table. He grabs a hammer. Oh my god. Well, he's fighting uh, somebody, and then they throw a hammer at him, and he grabs it. He's like, oh. It's, <laughs> the movie is just as generic as you can get with these kinds of films, and it's unfortunate because uh, Men in Black really did peak. At its first film, and then it hasn't come back since, unfortunately. So I definitely, like, I wouldn't recommend you see it, uh, those listening. Uh, just watch the first one. Just watch, just the, watch first the first one. one. You probably have the DVD or Blu-ray at home. Uh, uh, heck, watch the other two, because this one doesn't seem, it's very inconsequential, nothing special. It just feels like Sony is trying to relaunch the franchise in a way they can without having the two lead stars. It's almost like a, a fourth Karate Kid movie, um, the next Karate Kid. With, uh, what's her name, Killary Swain? Yeah, and it's like, I, I mean, there's a difference there because Pat Morita is there, you know, Mr. Miyagi. Damn. But um, where is Daniel's son? Daniel's son? Yeah. You Fun know. fact, I wear a headband at Starbucks, that's what they call me. They call you Daniel's son. Because of the headband. I'm sorry, that's a completely off topic. That's nothing to do with... <laughs> with Men in Black or, or anything. We go from Men in Black to the Karate Kid. But that's what it felt like to me. Like, it felt like a pointless sequel that nobody asked for that won't be getting more sequels anytime soon because it's underperforming. And with Toy Story coming out this week, all the new movies that came out last week are dead. Oh, shoot. That comes out this week, huh? Yeah. Damn. So, I'm like, that. Thank, like, try... Sorry, studios. It seems like they're underperforming. Although, there's a lot of other good movies we you can check out. We want original stuff. Please. Well, it's not just that. I want good stuff. You know I, I wouldn't mind what... getting a new Men in Black movie if it's good or not generic. We or want lazy. better written stuff. <laughs> if you're going to do uh, well-established franchises that we haven't seen in a while, make it good. Or just bring Will Smith back. Because um, that's the same thing happened with that Independence Day sequel. There was an Independence Day sequel? Exactly. It came out three years ago. It was, you want to know what it was called? What's it called? Independence Day Resurgence. Oh, I thought, okay. And I, you know what I thought those, it was Resurrection. And you know what mind. those two had in common? They both had a Hemsworth actor. 
because Liam Hemsworth is in that uh, in Independence Day sequel, and Chris Hemsworth is in Men in Black, and both movies have this one thing in common. Will Smith was a part of that franchise, but didn't come back with a sequel. <laughs> yeah, man, like... Damn, honestly, okay. I think movies are gonna... It's gonna be a, it's gonna be a hot minute before movies get good again. It's gonna take somebody who's, like, tired of how bad these movies are, and then they're just gonna take matters into their own hands. Well, to be fair, Josh, I think you're referring to the big studios mainly because a lot of the smaller studios are still releasing some quality films. Yeah, but the like thing is, like, okay, the other thing, too, is we're both from Fresno, and literally, <laughs> like, the, like, there's, like, three movie theaters around here that you can, like, mainly go to, and they're all gonna just be showing... Men in Black International. They're not going to be shown. Like when Whiplash came out, you know how hard it, you know how hard it was to like watch Whiplash. It Man, literally took like you're bringing me back to 2014, 2015. Yeah, no, Whiplash came out in like at the beginning of December. It wasn't until like mid February that we got to see Whiplash at, at where you work at actually. Yeah, at the mall. Yeah, at the theater of the mall. Before yeah, I worked there, but 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 to wrap this all up uh, before we close, I just got to say like. When it comes to Men in Black, really, um, that first one really was lightning in the ball in, ret- in retrospect because it was uh, based on a comic that wasn't that successful. Not a lot of people love that comic, but people love that movie. Like, it's Will Smith, it's Tommy Lee Jones, Barry Sonnenfeld's direction. Yeah, it's great. It fires on all cylinders. It's very fast to watch, very watchable, entertaining. It's a classic, honestly. It's a, a genre yeah. classic, and uh, people still love it and watch it to this day. And although the second movie and third movie aren't as beloved, there's still a charm to them. And the charm here is just, in international, is very minimal. It's very lazy, and nothing nothing new is added. This is as generic as you get when it comes to these sequels. So you did not miss out on a lot, Josh. Thank God. Thank God for that. <laughs> you did I'm not, not miss to waste out. another $13 to, is it Sony? Yeah, Sony. Damn. I mean, their next movie is Spider-Man Far From Home, which technically is a Marvel Studios movie from Disney, but Sony makes the money. God damn it. So, like, Marvel Studios will make... Jake the- Gyllenhaal's in that, right? Yeah, he's Mysterio. <laughs> he's gonna be awesome. Oh my god. You know? But, like, um, so those were my thoughts on Men in Black International, and those are my thoughts and Josh's thoughts on the original three films. Good stuff. So, um, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Josh, for joining me no on problem. this uh, episode of the Blank Green Canvas podcast. You know, like, how's your summer been? Do you have any summer plans? Anything fun? Yeah, I'm headed down to San Diego to do some engineering. <laughs> but, uh, you know, they've got way better movie theaters down there. I'll just say oh, that. Oh, they do, yeah. Oh, they do. But anyways, is there anything you wanted to plug or whatever, like Instagram or something? Plug? Uh, honestly, yeah, just keep on listening to the podcast. I don't have an Instagram, so you can't. <laughs> I can't plug myself in. But uh, honestly, I want to come back. This was fun. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you'll definitely come back at some point, thankfully, because you're a fellow film fan like I am. Thank you, Josh, for appearing on this podcast with me. And um, this was the Blank Green Canvas podcast. I am your host, Noah Villaverde. And thank you for listening to us this week. And please join me again next week when I am joined by uh, to-be-determined guests when I discuss uh, Toy Story 4 and the original Toy Story trilogy. Oh, yeah, it's going to be a great discussion. I'm getting really excited for that film, actually. It's been getting good buzz. Buzz. 90. Good buzz, Oh, my right? God. I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> Anyways, thank you for listening to the podcast, and I'll be back with you again next week.